You're listening to the Sprint Hard Iterate Fast podcast, where we look inside the most innovative companies creating exciting new jobs. I'm your host, Reggie James, and I've worked with many startups, three I co-founded, two that scaled to employ hundreds of people. On the Sprint Hard Iterate Fast podcast, we're getting candid stories and trusted career advice from CEOs, CTOs, and product leaders who are building amazing teams right now. Want to learn how to stand out and be noticed by some of the top tech companies worldwide? Hang with me as I uncover the secrets of their success. Well, today I want to welcome James Fuller, the co-founder and CEO of Henry. James is a former software developer, business analyst, UX consultant, innovation consultant, turned successful startup founder. James, welcome to the Sprint Hard Iterate Fast podcast. Thanks, Reggie. How are you going? Really, really good. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Uh, So look, you guys run an incredibly clever and engaging advertising campaign. So I'm sure by now many people have heard of you. They know what you guys do. But for those listeners who haven't, can you tell us, what is Henry? So Henry is a bit of a world first. It's a digital accounting service that takes care of all of the payments, taxes, compliance, software, and support for sole traders. Nice. How did you get the idea for Henry? Like, where did that come from? Well, I I always say, and Claire, my co-founder, is always like, stop telling people this. But I always say, like, this was a hobby that got out of hand, right? This was, Claire and I were both uh, contracting, we're both freelancing, and we were just blown away by the amount of the headache of, of tax and admin. And so, like, we're spreadsheet people, right? So we're like, okay, we'll make a couple of spreadsheets to make our lives easier. And that's where it started. And it was only really when we started telling people that, hey, we've got these spreadsheets and it works out exactly how much tax you need to pay and what you should be uh, setting aside that we had friends of ours were like, you've got what? Like, we need to get access to these spreadsheets. We need to get in there. And um, over time, we just we, we realized we're like, okay, maybe we've solved a problem that other people have. And that sort of set us down a journey of validating our market and understanding uh, what the sort of wider application of what we had done could be. And yeah, that was sort of 2016, 2017, we started kind of bootstrapping the business very manually, just kind of almost taking our spreadsheets to the world. That's really, really fascinating. And I, and I like the concept that you said, like, it was a hobby. It was something that you were, you were, you know, kind of doing on the side. Super, super interesting. The market has clearly received you guys well. I'm curious to know, how is, how is Henry disrupting the status quo in the accounting and finance industry? It's a good question. I think traditionally, when you are, and, and this is where, where Claire and I were when we first started, when you traditionally uh, start out as being self-employed, most people will go and at first port of call, you do a bit of research, you go and find an accountant and you kind of sit there with a bit of a bemused look on your face going, hey, look, what do I do here? Like somebody tell me what I'm supposed to do. I have no idea how this works. And Traditionally, kind of old school accountants will go, okay, here's the flavor of software that we like to sell. And here is the way that we like to work. And here is the way that we think you should set up as a business. And what's going to happen is I'm going to give you this software and then you're going to use the software. And at the end of the year, I'm going to go in and I'll charge you for checking the work that you've done. And so we kind of flip that model on its head and say, look, that's that's kind of not good enough. And you should be able to, as an individual, know that you're up to date with your taxes at any one point. You should be able to know that the money that's in your pocket is yours to keep or save or spend. And so what we do is we have a much more real-time 
relationship with the clients of our accounting service. So basically, they uh, every single client gets a unique bank account to get paid into. And whenever they earn self-employed income, we calculate, deduct, and pay exactly the right amount of all of their taxes straight away. So we pay those funds away to uh, the government. So that means that individual is always up to date on their taxes. And so rather than wait until the end of the year and worry about expenses in you know the end of June when you've got to get all your receipts out, we're doing that for you all throughout the year. So the end of the financial year becomes no surprises. You're already paid up. You've already got all of your tax relief throughout the year on all of your expenses. We lodge your tax returns for you. We represent you to the ATO. All of that stuff gets done and you've already paid because the whole service is pay as you go. And you only pay when you're earning as opposed to, you know, pay a big bill at the end of the year for I don't know what, you know, and, and feel like you're not only paying an eye-watering accountancy bill, you're paying eye-watering tax bills as well. That's really, really fascinating and, and, and such a very strong value proposition. That And that stood out to me quite a bit when I was looking into you guys and what you did. I'm thinking a little bit about your background. I want to talk about your background in a second here. But before we move away from what Henry does and, and the product that you've built, I'm thinking about our listeners who might have a background that's similar to yours. They might be business analysts. They might be uh, experienced designers that, you know, they might be in that tech space and thinking about how hey, I want to work for an innovative company. I, I, I'm wondering... You guys have done some some really innovative stuff, but today, what role does experimentation play in your product development process? Like, how are you experimenting? How are you reinventing? How are you pushing the you know boundaries now? Uh, yeah, we we actually like everything we do is experimentation to some extent, right? So whether that is testing things out with a small handful of users or uh, validating a, a, a concept for a feature. So our whole business is built around those kind of lean startup principles of kind of build, measure, learn. So we will go out and based on our customers guiding us in a certain direction with a particular problem they want solved, we will think of a way that we can solve that problem. We'll validate that with customers and iterate and build that out over time. So the way that we deliver our product is, is one continuous experiment where we, we measure at regular intervals to make sure we're on the right trajectory and we're solving the customer's problem every time. Super, super cool. Very, very cool to hear that. I, I mentioned a little bit about your background and I, I love to understand a little bit more how did you end up where you are now? You're you're the CEO, founder of a well-funded startup business that is 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 well known. You guys have amazing advertising campaigns. Um, I know many people that that have signed up for your service as well. How did you end up in the seat you're in now? So I did a back in the day when uh, before it was com called computer science. I did I, at the time it was called computation, the degree that I did. But nowadays it would be computer science or software engineering. I did a degree in that in uh, Manchester University in the north of England. I, I graduated in the early 2000s. And I think I made the decision as I left university that I never wanted to look at another line of code ever again. I just, I was done. Like a few years of doing that, I realized it just, like I liked the idea of being a software engineer, but in reality, I was not a good software engineer. I was not diligent enough. Like, you know, I look at our software engineers now, and they're some of the smartest people in the room. And I'm like, I'm just not diligent enough to, to do that well. I like, I know enough to be dangerous is the way that I usually describe it. But I, I went from there to almost coming out of university and going, I'm going to do completely different jobs. I worked in the billing department of a phone company for a while. I, uh, I worked on a, like a tech support help desk for a little bit. And then I 
kind of ended up falling back into a role that had a little bit of a tech slant. Um, I was working at a software company, again, in like a tech support role. And these little bits of work kept coming up that were like, oh, just edit this thing and write this little bit of code. And I kind of got drawn back into it. And uh, and that's, again, when I sort of, I went in this cycle of then realizing that I was not a good enough engineer. So I was like, okay, I got to move away. I went into doing kind of business analysis. So I, I did sort of more consulting work. I went to I went to work in the city with a suit and tie and like now I'm shorts and flip-flops every day. So I've, you know, I've very much turned tail on that. But um, yeah, for a while I was, I was a management consultant uh, in, with one of the big four management consultancies. And then I, again, kind of got a bit disillusioned by not being able to move fast and really kind of um, imp- make a big impact. Everything became quite slow. So uh, moved to some smaller consulting roles, ended up doing a, con- a bunch of consulting in the, in the startup space in New Zealand where... Uh, I really enjoyed being the sort of what they call this sort of innovation consultant. I would go into tiny businesses or I'd go into private sector organizations and I would help them apply lean startup principles, this idea of like building minimum viable product with nothing. So having a little bit of a tech background was, was again, a little bit dangerous, but you could spin things up and you could understand what could be done with not very much code. And it was through that, I was actually a contractor at the time doing that role. It was through that that... We, we realized that obviously this was a pain point for ourselves and started building these spreadsheets. And I just started adding a bit of code to the spreadsheets because it was frustrating me that I was like, I was you know doing stuff manually. I was like, okay, I'll add a bit of code here and then a bit of code here. And then that's where the hobby kind of takes over. And then that's when I realized again, it was probably like the, the third era in my terrible foray into software development was the original copies of Henry that was like a spreadsheet with a bunch of squirrely code in the background. And um, yeah, and then as that evolved, and, you know, for anyone who's in startups, that that need to kind of get stuck in and, and build and, and be part of that process. I very much stayed close to that, whether it was on our marketing website or in our app itself. And then eventually my role, you know, from what was back in 2017, just a job title that we gave ourselves. Like Claire and I sat there and I was like, well, I'll be the CEO. And she goes, well, I'll be the COO. And I was like, cool, let's get business cards printed. And then suddenly along that journey, you go, oh man, I've actually got to be the CEO from now on. I can't be, you know, getting excited about building a, you know, a a swipeable carousel on the marketing site over my weekend. I've actually got to think about the financials and marketing and much more strategic stuff. So both of us kind of emerged from very detailed day-to-day roles into where we are now, which is like, I do a lot of investor relations and a lot of public and media appearance stuff. And, you know, I think my my internal bio reads, definitely not allowed to write any code anymore. (laughs) That is, um, geez, I don't even know what to say. That's so fascinating. There's so many things that I'd, I would love to spin off and have conversations about. And I know we've only got limited time here, but you, your story is so fascinating because I think people can relate to what you just talked about. I certainly can relate to that of, you know, I have a, a, a software development background as well, but I never found myself to be really great at it. You know, when I compare myself to other people, I'm keen to know with your background, like you've got a diverse background having, you know, having the tech background, but then some some BA stuff, some UX stuff, you know, the, the consulting work you did. Um, and now you, you are, you, you painted the picture, you are in a very different role now. How, how do you think some of those things you've done in the past prepared you for, you know, the job you're in today? And, and, and if they haven't, then, you know, feel free to share that too. But I'm, I'm keen to know how, how did those things prepare you for what you're doing now? I think it's it's a it's a really important thing. I think between certainly in the early stages of the business, 
Claire and I have such complementary skill sets, you know, so when we started the business, even though we were just two people, I would take, you know, engineering, product, sales and marketing, and Claire would be taking kind of operations, finance, risk and compliance, you know, uh, it was sort of, it was an even split. And if you look at, you know, my split, my skill set around, you know, a bit of sales and marketing, I've done some sales back in the day, there was the user experience side of products, there was a little bit of engineering. And, and for a while, for a couple of years, we, we were the sort of equivalent heads of of those bits in the business as they kind of grew out from, you know, two people to five people to 10 people to what is now 100 people, which is quite scary. But um, that that was like a natural thing for us. And, you know, again, Having a portfolio of skills and you know, talk about portfolio careers, I think is one of the most important pieces of, of advice I can ever give to anyone is you can apply your skills in different ways in different industries. And if you can get a, a broad section of experience, then it's really, really beneficial. And I, I learned a lot of that as a consultant in that, you know, when you go to a consultancy and you say, hey, I've just been doing, I don't know, business analysis for the last couple of years, they don't put you out on the roster and say, this is a business analyst. They look at your skills and they go, okay, so you can write business cases, you can do data analysis, you can do a little bit of low code tech stuff. And then they shape your profile for different clients' needs. And so when I went out and I did consulting and contracting on my own, you didn't just go out and say, I'm a contract business analyst. You go, well, actually, here are my skills. And these are the skills that I want to apply. And so I look at how my skills have evolved through the time of like running engineering, running product in the business to now where I am. And a lot of the skills that I have today are still the core skills that I had at like when I was a consultant, right? Which I'm dealing with stakeholders. I'm trying to take people on a journey. I'm, you know, knowing enough about engineering that I can go and talk to engineers without making a fool of myself. But it's it's that kind of thing that has been so valuable. And I think, you know, for anyone who's starting a business or, or thinking about starting a business, having a broad range of skills is a real asset compared to like, we've always said, if I was just like a, you know, a UX, like a product person, and I knew nothing else about business, and Claire was just a finance person and knew nothing else about uh, about risk and compliance or operations, like this would have been a terrible business. This would have flopped straight away. But it's the combination of people who have portfolio careers that mean that you can pivot and you can adapt to your environment and do different jobs at different times because you're going to need to on this journey. Mm, that's really fascinating. I think that's fantastic advice for our listeners. You know, the idea about a portfolio career and then also the other idea about how do you package yourself, you know, and market yourself and, and the skills that you have, not just the job title that you fall underneath? Super valuable lesson for, mm. for our listeners. Um, if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would you tell yourself? Knowing all the things you know now, what would you go back and say, hey, James, you need to know this for the future. Be, be, be ready. <laughs> I think be ready to have your resilience tested. I was talking mm. about, to someone about this earlier and Particularly because we kind of like neither Claire nor I, when we started this, we didn't start this and go, hey, let's go and build a hundred person business in five years. Let's go and raise $65 million in funding. Yeah, let's go. That sounds like a great idea. We started this business as, hey, this thing's really annoying. Let's make a spreadsheet to make our lives easier. And so you don't sit down at the time and flash forward two years, three years, five years and say, I wonder what the journey will be like. Because both of us have kind of got that imposter syndrome of like, almost we're, we're doing this thing. And then we look back at where we've come from and we go, this is mad. How do we get here? You know, like we, we've done all these things, but, you know, we we haven't sort of sat there four years ago and said, right, we're going to be this massive company. And so you end up sleepwalking into things that challenge your resilience, whether that's 
a traditional accounting industry that isn't ready for the kind of automation that you bring or whether it's, you know, regulators that aren't ready for how you do things and the scale that you do things or even when it, when it's investors who tell you that you're not ready to go and do a new country or go and expand your product. And, you know, having conviction and taking that test of your resilience on the chin and building and learning from it is something that will happen organically. But if you can prepare for it and you can, and Claire and I always say, you know, if this was easy, everyone would be doing it. If you can prepare for the fact that your resilience is going to be tested and have perspective and have people around you who can give you perspective, it's so much more valuable. Because I remember in the early days, we would come up against stuff like I would go and do a pitch night or something. uh, And I would go and pitch Henry and I, I would come off the stage and someone would say, I would never use your product and here's why. And they would give you this whole like, yeah, because I do this and I do this and blah, blah, blah. And you would go away and you'd be like, oh man, why are people so mean? Like, you know, all I did was just pitch the business. Or I, I put an ad out on Facebook in a, in a group for tech startups and I was advertising for a social media coordinator. And what did I get in the comments? I got hate around our business model. I'm like, that's not what I asked. They're like, <laughs> thanks for sharing. But like, I think if, if someone had told me, look, your resilience is going to be tested in those weird ways, whether it's way back in the day when someone says you can't do this, or even today when it's an investor saying you shouldn't go and do whatever, like you're going to get tested. And if you can prepare for that and go, I'm comfortable with the fact that that resilience is going to get tested and I'm going to put it in perspective and take each moment as a learning, you'll deal with it a lot better than I think we did where... We were like two years in just going like, this is insanely stressful. This is a painful process to grind out every day. I don't think I can carry on. And, you you know, you build that resistance and you do carry on. But it is hard. It is a grind. And anyone who tells you different is lying. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) That's um, such great advice. And, you know, to go back and think about telling yourself. But I think even for anyone listening, like, be ready to have your resilience tested is something that you don't really think about. I love your story because... I think your story, um, I know your, your, your partner is your, your, your co-founder and you guys have built the business together. Like it's really approachable. It's really tangible. I, I like that. And I think the way you present yourself and the way you talk about your business and what you do, it is really approachable and tangible, but you guys have seen some massive success. Like you're building a business that is innovative. I can tell you're passionate about what you do. Well, you guys have raised a lot of money and you've seen some explosive growth over the last few years. I wonder, how do you maintain a positive and productive culture while you're growing at such a rapid pace? I think what we've learned over the years is a lot of it is about, well, for a start, we as founders have to bring that positivity because, you know, we've had times in the past when your resilience is tested that you get tested, you get down, you, you know, you start to wonder whether or not this is the right path. But by being honest with people about where you're at and not trying to gloss over it for everyone else. Like I remember one day I had a really, I had a really bad day at one point, you know, really got tested. And, and I was kind of short with someone in a meeting. This is like three years ago. And we were sort of, I don't know, 15, 20 people or so. And, you know, it's a busy time. It's quite stressful. And I remember going away and just feeling like I really let that person down and I really let myself down. And so I brought the team together the next day and I stood in front of everyone and I just apologized. And I was like, that is not who I want to be in this business. That is not who you you guys expect me to be. And by walking the talk of showing contrition and holding your hands up and going, look, I'm, I'm not the finished product as a CEO. I'm not going to pretend here that I'm the world's best CEO and Claire's the same. She's not going to sit here and go, I'm going to pretend that I'm the finished product. 
But if I can show and we can show the rest of the, the team that we are learning and growing just like everybody else. And if we stuff up and if we make a, st- make a mistake, we put our hands up in front of everyone and go, I stuffed up and I need everyone to hear that I'm acknowledging that mistake and here's how we're going to learn from it. Then you get that reciprocal relationship where other people around you do the same thing because there's not a blame culture. If you stick your hand up and go, hey, look, I made the wrong call. And I think that's where you can bring a positivity around it, which is encouraging people to be transparent, to actually own what they're doing and own their learnings. And then being able to celebrate successes as a team. You know, it's as much about learning from your your uh, failures as it is about celebrating even the tiniest win that happens. And we do this so often as a team. We have a wins channel in Slack and people just post random stuff in there. Like someone comes back for day two of their employment and they get a shout out on the wins channel. That's like, you know, just stupid stuff. I remember one of the earliest wins was our then lead engineer. We always had a problem back in the day. We had like a burner mobile phone that was our that was our line, our, our hotline where people could call Henry. And uh, we couldn't remember the keypad pin for it. So we kept having calls ring off and go to answer phone. And one day the lead engineer finally figured out what the pin was and answered the phone. And that made the wins channel. That was a big thing for us is like we actually managed to answer the phone. But it's, you know, by bringing an atmosphere of fun and enjoyment, but at the same time being open to showing everyone that you're learning, you kind of have that right balance that everyone feels that there's a there's fun, but there's also seriousness. There's stuff at stake here. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I, I think, um, yeah, certainly creating an environment where there is vulnerability and 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 showing that by being able to say, yeah, I I messed up, leading by example like that. Yeah, that that comes through very clearly. I love the idea of a wins channel on on Slack and and creating a culture where you celebrate each other, you celebrate even the small things as well as the big things. That's something we like to do on the Sprint Heart Iterate Fast podcast as well, is create an opportunity for our guests to provide a shout out to someone on their team or an employee who's played a crucial role in shaping company culture or driving growth. I wonder, James, who on your team, what team uh, or what person might you shout out right now and say, hey, this person has has made a stellar contribution and I want to recognize them today. Wow, that's that's a big question. I think one of the things, and, and not to try and sidestep your question at all, but one of the things that we're really conscious of is not having a hero culture at, at Henry. Mm-hmm. And one of, our, one of our core values, our core behaviors that we always talk about is we win and lose as a team. And so it's a big thing for us that when, when good things happen, a lot of the times that's not one person's doing. That is a team effort. And it's not just you know, the product team or the engineering team. There are always other people who are who are there, who are at play, who are supporting. Um, so rather than just kind of single one person out, I, I just genuinely want to recognize this awesome team of superstars we've got, whether they've been here like one week or the ones that have been with us five years. Like we always say everyone who works here has some connection to the problem we solve, whether they've been self-employed in the past, whether they're mom or their dad is a sole trader or whether or not they've seen friends go through the pain of this. Everyone here is solving the problem for other people that they've seen firsthand. And there's a sense of passion and purpose that comes from everyone who works here. And it's kind of a part of our interview process. We want to find people who are as excited about helping other people solve this problem as as we are. And I think that what I love about this team is that we so we have an in-office first culture like we're super flexible people work from home but primarily we work together in the office and i just the people i want to shout out is every single member of the henry team that shows up with their authentic self every day and comes and solves this problem with us and like claire and i are so 
so proud of like the kind of the family that we've built here of, of these, you know, these are, our, these are our friends. These feel like, you know, yeah. these are people who you'd go into bat for. And I'm just so proud of having a team full of superstars that get on well together, that deliver really well together, but can come in and, and kind of live and breathe those values and not be that kind of that joke company that writes all the values up on the wall. And then everyone just goes like, none of that means anything to us. Like we were resistant to write our values down for so many years. Cause we're like, as soon as you write them down, they cease to have any meaning. They're not intrinsic inside people. They're just like something on a wall you point to. So yeah, that, that's the big shout out for me is like just having people around you who are energy givers you know they're mm. people that i've got passion claire's got passion and these are other people that get us excited about the journey we're on which is like thank you all for you know keeping us honest and keeping us excited that's very cool i i, I think um it's fantastic and it sounds like the culture you're that you're building within henry it sounds like a really healthy and exciting place to be in. I know people who would be applying for jobs at Henry might be searching this up right now and saying, you know, I want to hear from the CEO. What does the CEO got to say about the company and the culture? A lot of people are really considering that before they join somewhere. I want to ask you about what kind of unique or unconventional perks might might people experience or benefit from at Henry? What do you guys offer that, you know, might be a little bit different than some other company? Oh wow, that was a good question. I should get my get my head of people under here. She'll be able to uh, <laughs> she'll be able to answer this better than me. No, we do a lot of things. Whether it's unique or innovative, we do kind of wellness benefits. Uh, everyone gets uh, additional leave for their birthday, so everyone gets their birthday off, which they can take it at whatever day they they want. We've also started a new one in in all of our offices, where rather than everyone having to take public holidays on the day of that public holiday, we recognize that some people have different cultures, some people have different beliefs on different things. And actually, some people don't feel like they want to take off a certain celebratory day. And so what we do is we basically give people the option of taking their public holidays when they want to take their public holidays. Um, and that's proved very, uh, very useful for all of our staff to not feel like right in the middle of a flow state, they have to take a, you know, a public holiday on a Monday. They go, well, actually, I'm going to take that off on the Wednesday instead, because I really want to, I've got something I want to do on the Monday. And it's giving people that flexibility around, you know, being able to determine when those things fall is just a bit more aware of everyone's kind of everyone's different cultures and different belief systems. And for us, it's, you know, we're such an inclusive environment that it's a big thing for us that everyone feels like they they have that flexibility. Fantastic. I always um, end these podcasts with a with a question. Um, I'm thinking about, the, again, the person who is searching this interview up, they're, they're, they're thinking about applying for a job at Henry. What three pieces of advice do you have for anyone who wants to apply and work for Henry? What would you tell them? I always encourage people to understand a bit about the problem that we solve. So whether that's talking to people around them, you know, everyone's got someone close to them that might have experienced some of this challenge. And it's, it means more to you when you recognize the difference it can make to other people, because we're not just any old company. We're not like shipping widgets or we don't make faceless software. Like we have a service that we provide to our customers. We're not out there you know, doing AI bots that mean we never have to talk to our customers. Like we have a customer care team and a customer finance team that love talking to customers. So number one is, you know, definitely do some research, go understand like the scope of the problem. I think number two is go and have a think about whether or not, and this, this isn't supposed to be sounding kind of dismissive, but go and think about whether or not working at a fast moving, fast paced startup is for you. Cause it's not for everyone. And, you know, a lot of people think it's, 
I don't know, maybe I'd just like play pool and lie on beanbags all day. You know, this is a really driven environment where, you know, we, we always say like, we don't take passengers. And if you're someone who just kind of wants an easy ride, you want to come in, you know, you're, you're not really interested in learning or developing yourself, it's probably not going to be the environment for you. But if you want to come in and work with, you know, we always talk about we, we don't hire an army, we hire Navy SEALs. So if you want to come and work alongside Navy SEALs and get to that level, then like we'd love to hear from you. Because if you're a driven individual and you want to come do this, like doors always open. Even if there's not, not a role on our careers page that suits you, drop us a line because we've created roles for people in the past. But if, you, if you're driven and you want to do that, then, then absolutely, you know, come and, uh, come and apply. And then I think the third one is back to that thing of like, be your authentic self. Like we don't do egos here. Like no one wants to hear about, you know, the fact that, I don't know, you won some solo prize, you know, when you were at high school or something. Like we want to hear about how you work in teams, how you collaborate with teams, not how you lead or run or dictate, but how you work alongside others to deliver great outcomes. Not to put too fine a point on like our interview process, but it's really obvious when people come in and they're all about self and that just does not fly here in any sense. Mm. Fantastic advice, and I think quite appropriate for a number of businesses. So, James, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the Sprint Heart Air Rate Fast podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and, and learning about your uh, about Henry and the business that you're building and the culture that you're building. And um, we wish you the best success. Thanks, Reggie. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sprint Heart Air Rate Fast podcast. You can find this episode's show notes and additional resources on www.beakerandflint.com. As a bonus, for the first 100 people to subscribe and leave a review, I'm giving away copies of my new book, Scale Up Culture. Scale Up Culture will give you a leg up in your career by showing you how fast-growing tech companies are building their teams. Stay tuned for more episodes on Melbourne's Tech Mavericks, 10 companies shaking up their industries in 2023.